Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Right now we bring in Ian O'Connor, author of a new book, Coach K, as well as being longtime New York Post columnist and ESPN.com columnist. I appreciate his time. Ian, good to catch up with you. I had Wing Martindale and John Harbaugh questions already because you've reported on the matter, but this book is so fascinating. We may have to postpone that conversation about the Ravens. <laughs> no, Jerry, I'm, I'm more than happy to ask, uh, answer questions about uh, Wink Martindale and uh, Mr. Harbaugh. So whatever you need. All right, we'll table that for a little later. But this book is coming out February the 22nd. Again, the title, Coach K, The Rise and Reign of Mike Krzyzewski. Just the latest excellent book. Again, how do you gain the trust or at least convince some of these legendary figures mostly who are private, like either a Derek Jeter or Bill Belichick, either to sit down with you or not really try hard to inhibit you from writing about them? Well, Belichick did actually try hard to inhibit me from writing about them. Oh. Oh, yeah. He reached out to a lot of people and asked them not to talk to me. So he created a lot of obstacles, put them in my path. And in some ways, it made me better. It just uh, made me more resourceful, made me work harder. And Krzyzewski did not do that for this book. He Now, he wants to, I believe, write his own book when he's retired. And so he didn't sit down with me for an interview or interviews, but he didn't block anybody, including his best friends, back to his childhood, all through his career at Duke and before that at Army. And so I, I very much appreciate that he didn't do that. And so the challenge of trying to write a definitive accurate, fair, thorough portrait of Coach K, I don't want to say it was easier than than Bill Belichick, but it was easier simply because he didn't attempt to block so many people like Belichick did. Well, tidbits, of course, are starting to drop out, like how Coach K went with John Shire over others, including Tommy Amaker, uh, to be his successor, and that already has created a buzz. Did you anticipate that big of a buzz over the decision between the two, because from what I gathered, it was a split decision. The president wanted Amaker and sounded like Coach K wanted Shire. Right. There were people in the administration who definitely wanted Amaker. In fact, Amaker, now the head coach at Harvard, and before that, Seton Hall in Michigan, he, he was offered the job. And Krzyzewski did have a conversation with him and explained why it would make things difficult if he took that job and how effectively if he came aboard for a year as an assistant coach as a successor in waiting coach k would have to demote somebody from his staff probably nolan smith back to director of basketball operations and 
And, and he wanted Shire. Shire is a coach he's molded. Shire's never been anywhere else as a coach. He won a national championship as a player with Coach K. And Amaker, who's a former Duke player and assistant, of course, he's been gone from Duke for about 25 years. So Coach K felt like putting Shire in there would give him more power and influence over the, the direction of the program in retirement. He's keeping his office at Cameron and or in the tower above Krzyzewskiville there on the sixth floor. So he's going to be present. And I think he'll be somewhat involved in the running of that program. And to him, his vision, Shire matched up better uh, with that vision. And so he pushed him through, despite the fact that Amaker got the job offer first. So Coach K isn't entirely leaving the building. He's just retiring, but still is going to maintain an office. He's not a guy with a lot of hobbies, Jerry. I mean, he doesn't play golf like Roy Williams, and he does a little gardening, and he's not a big reader, and he he used to play tennis. I don't know if he can physically do that anymore, but so I think he's yeah, I think he's going to be involved. Now, if you're John Shire, if he's put on truth serum, does he really want that? I don't know. If you were running a company, if you were a CEO of a company, would you want your predecessor to be sitting on the board or acting as a consultant or advisor? Probably not. So, That'll be interesting to watch just how much influence Shire really allows his mentor to have in the running of his day-to-day program. Joined by author Ian O'Connor, the book is Coach K, The Rise and Reign of Mike Krzyzewski. So was the list of candidates to succeed him, Ian, only comprised of former Duke players? Were there other outsiders involved? I don't really know of any other outsiders, Jerry. I think Johnny Dawkins, who also, of course, played for Duke in the 80s, and the coach at uh, UCF and had been at uh, Stanford. Uh, he was involved, but of course he's part of the Duke family as well. So, and, and Amaker and Shire, I think it was really those three. And I think it really came down to two, uh, Amaker and Shire. And the university favored Amaker and Coach K favored Shire. And guess who won? <laughs> <laughs> so I guess if you build the best program in college basketball over a 42-year period, not that they were the best for those 42 years, but certainly he developed and built that program into the best. And I, a lot of fans, and I heard this from many uh, Duke alums, that, hey, Coach K earned the right to pick his successor. And, and you could certainly make the case that nobody in the history of college basketball earned that right more than Coach K did. So I actually didn't really criticize him in the book for doing what he did, I'm sure, Tommy Amaker wasn't thrilled about it. I know he wasn't thrilled about it. The source close to him told me he was heartbroken about it. But I think you can definitely make that case. Coach K had earned the right to pick his replacement, and that's basically what he did. And for the record, Tommy Amaker declined comment in your book as well, correct? Amaker and Krzyzewski did not grant interviews for the book, and Duke declined comment when asked about this situation. And I gave Duke multiple opportunities to deny that Shire was the second person offered the job and they refused to confirm or deny that. So uh, the story has been out now for, I don't know, maybe 36, 38 hours and uh, Duke has not denied it. So I think that silence speaks for itself. How about Shire? Did he cooperate in any way? I do have a history, by the way, with that family because I knew his grandparents. They lived down in Florida near my parents and I got to meet him after a game once, but did he cooperate in any fashion? He did, actually. And this was, though, before Coach K announced he was retiring. And uh, Jeff Goodman of the stadium, he's the one who broke the story. But 
He did. He uh, he gave me an interview and uh, afterwards said, hey, if you need anything more, just let me know. And so he was he was very good. And Coach K allowed his current assistants, just like his former assistants, to talk to me. And I uh, I will be ever forever. I'll, I'll appreciate that. And so, uh, yeah, Shire did uh, cooperate, as did uh, Nolan Smith, also on the staff now, and Chris Carowell. So all of his assistants did talk to me for the book. Well, i got to ask you about Coach K and his rivalry with some of those schools in the ACC back in the day when I was growing up. Of course, the legendary North Carolina coach, his counterpart, Dean Smith. Uh, did they get along, Ian, or was it just mutual respect? Because those matchups, as you know, were always special. I think, Jerry, his relationship, Coach K's with Roy Williams, was certainly better than it was with Dean Smith. Remember, Dean Smith was obviously the man at, at the point that Coach K arrives in, in 80-81. And so he was fighting just in Dean Smith's backyard to try to get a piece of, of the pie there. And, and so that relationship was different. Coach K was really just fighting for his place in that world, and Smith had already arrived, obviously. Roy Williams, it just was more – Coach K didn't have as much to prove when Roy Williams came back and took over at North Carolina. So I think – there was certainly less tension in that in that relationship. They were they were big rivals, and that would never change. But I would say that uh, that was a better relationship. But the best relationship he has in the sport is probably with Jim Beheim, even though they're opposites. And maybe that's the reason why their relationship is so good over the years is because their personalities and approach to basketball couldn't be more different. And maybe because they don't have to play each other every year too, that probably helps as well. Well, they do now. They do now. Well, that's true. That's true. I forgot about the transit. You know, they've screwed up the conferences so much. I keep forgetting about that, but you're no, right. No, you're right. And listen, a lot of people still think Syracuse is in the Big East. It's funny. <laughs> uh, I grew up with that, and it's it's hard to change your, your mindset on that. But I, I still kind of look at Syracuse as a Big East team. And and uh, so, but Beheim was a uh, big assistant of his on those Olympic gold yes. medal teams. and. That's where their relationship really sort of and, and Beheim helped him because he he loved the zone. Coach K hated the zone, but sometimes would play it uh, with Beheim around. And also Beheim's more laid back attitude in terms of dealing with NBA players, I think, helped Coach K not necessarily treat them like he would players at Duke. He really it took him a little while to to adjust to the NBA megastars, but obviously he did. They won three straight gold medals. And now you got my mind swirling cuz I'm thinking about that inner circle for Coach K and the Olympic team. I believe PJ Carlissimo is part of that, right? Yeah, another another really good friend of his without question. And so yeah, it was it was a threesome really, Carlissimo, Bayheim and Coach K. And so they had uh, quite a ride together. But I know that uh, Beheim was, was very important in those Olympic runs, probably gets overlooked a little bit later on. And he had the likes of uh, Thibodeau and Monty Williams. And that last uh, Olympic gold medal in Rio, that was a tough one to win. That they, they could have easily lost that. That team was hanging on for dear life. But to win three gold medals in a row, yeah, he had the NBA stars, but that's still a hell of an accomplishment. Absolutely. We're speaking with Ian O'Connor. Again, he's got a new book out coming out February 22nd, Coach K, The Rise and Reign of Mike Krzyzewski. What about Maryland and Gary Williams? Uh, it certainly wasn't on the level as North Carolina was, but is Maryland referenced? Because I don't know if Coach K considered the Terps as rivals. Yeah, I think he did, certainly. And just think, 
Jerry, go back to the, the Jay Williams era Duke and the miracle uh, minute and the final four game where Maryland had the huge lead early. And, and so, yes, they were actually bitter rivals for a while there. And Maryland was a program that, and particularly in that time period, uh, gave them a lot of trouble. And so in that final four, a lot of the Duke players told me that Coach K, he called a timeout. They must have been down close to 20 points. Yeah. And they thought he was going to tee off on them in the huddle. Instead, he relaxed them and said, hey, guys, you can't play any worse. So just relax and go out there and play basketball. And they pretty much dominated from that point forward and actually won that game. But that was a great Maryland team, and certainly he looked at Williams in that program as rivals with that question. We certainly remember that. Now, the other night, Coach K could not finish against Wake Forest. John Shire had to take over in the second half. What was your reaction to that? He's now 75. That's exactly it, Jerry. I said to myself, well, this is why he's retiring. I mean, the man has been grinding day after day after day for 47 years in Division One, the first five at Army, that this, this is why he's retiring. So... He only has a couple more games at Cameron Indoor Stadium, so I'm pretty sure he, the last thing in the world he wanted to do was miss the second half of, I believe, his third-to-last game in that building. But he didn't feel well, obviously, and uh, my understanding is that uh, he'll be fine and, and should be ready to go. But that was uh, a guy who's been so durable, you figure he'd fight through almost anything, which he's proven in the past, but... Clearly, uh, given his age, and you know, he's been under a fair amount of stress now with this farewell tour coming to a close relatively soon, and, and I think it just caught up to him in that game. There are some conspiracy theorists out there that think he avoided all this, and, and this was concocted so he didn't have to answer questions about Shire <laughs> and Amaker, which I found preposterous, Ian, to be honest with you. Yeah, I don't think so. Listen... Uh, Reese Davis said on the air on the ESPN broadcast that he asked Krzyzewski about it before the game, and he said no comment. He might get a chance to read the book in, in the offseason and then maybe comment on it. But So I think he just could have said that. He could have shut it down in the postgame presser. He could have just said, hey, I haven't read the book. I'm not going to comment on personal conversations I had with, with friends and former coaches and assistants anyway, so I'm just focused on the season, so I'm not going to talk about it. And I think that would have ended it. So he could have very easily handled questions uh, without really giving any insightful answers and just moving on. So I doubt that was the reason. I agree. He's a pro at yeah. He's a pro at handling all this. We just have a few more moments remaining. Very grateful for the time with Ian O'Connor again. The new book is coming out February twenty second called Coach K: The Rise and Reign of Mike Shashevsky. What about the temptation to coach in the NBA? He was very tight with the late Kobe Bryant. He uh, recruited him heavily to Duke. Was there a time where he might have left Duke for the pros? Yeah, he thought about it pretty seriously a couple of times, Jerry, in, in, in 90. The Celtics really came hard after him, and, and he thought seriously about that. He got the sense that Red Auerbach, who was still there, Dave Gavitt was there as well. Red Auerbach wasn't crazy about the idea of hiring a college coach, so I think that maybe turned him off a little bit. The big one was the Lakers in, in 04, and Kobe recruited him personally. Kobe was If Kobe played college basketball, he was going to play for Coach K at Duke, and now he wanted him to go coach Kobe with the Lakers, and he thought seriously about that. Ultimately, obviously, he didn't take that job. But those are probably be the two. There was one with Portland. 
Portland had a shot at him. I believe yeah. that was around 94. So, uh, listen, he's a college coach at the end of the day, and he got the best of both worlds because he coached the, the greatest players in the NBA and the Olympics. So it worked out pretty well for him. Well, there were a lot of Terps fans hoping he would go to the NBA, but that wish was never granted. Listen, I appreciate your time. I'd love to ask you all about Wink Martindale going to the Giants. Uh, if you want to answer one question, let, let yeah. me fire away, all right? So now he's the defensive coordinator. It seemed like he and Coach Harbaugh just were not on the same page here in Baltimore. Well, and listen, that happens. I just think over time, sometimes I, I, it's, a, it's a cliche to say things get, get stale, but my suspicion is that's probably what happened. I mean, the guy obviously is very good at his job. I think John Harbaugh knows that. And he gave me some on-the-record quotes that were that were – really glowing about Wink Martindale. I had some fans on Twitter saying, well, why did he fire him? Then? <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, but I think, I think the Giants could use a little of that Wink Martindale aggression and attitude on the defensive side of the ball. They need to get back to that. So I, I think that was, by Brian Dable, a, a very good hire. And he's probably as close to Rex Ryan as the button-down Giants would ever get in terms of hiring a coach. He probably doesn't like that uh, comparison, and and I'm not saying he's that extreme a personality, but I think a little bit of that swagger and attitude and aggression on the defensive side of the ball will help the Giants quite a bit. To be honest, I don't think he minds that comparison. They are a lot alike, and he is bombastic at times, and I think that's maybe why he isn't here anymore. It may have rubbed some people in that castle the wrong way, but we'll see how it works out in the Big Apple. He's going to be a great quote, and I appreciate your time tonight. One of the highlights for me was sitting next to you during a Ravens game in the press box, bothering the heck out of you while you were trying to cover a football game. Hey, but, listen, you didn't bother me. I got to sit next to a legend, so uh, no, it, hell, no. the pleasure was mine, man. Ian, appreciate your time, and uh, best of luck with the book. I can't wait to read it. Thanks so much, Jerry. Take All right, care. Ian O'Connor, very gracious with his time tonight here on Sports with Coleman. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.